I don't know how he does it, but he does it every single time, doesn't he? He comes in and he rescues uh, Charlie Brown, the desires of his heart to have a wonderful Christmas. I don't know about you kids. I know we have our kids with us here this evening. We had them with us this morning. It's great having you here. I don't know, kids, what your favorite TV Christmas show is, whether it's Frosty, whether it's Rudolph, whether it's the Grinch that stole Christmas, but my favorite is that one right there. It's Peanuts because of Charlie Brown and because of Linus. And, uh, you know, I don't know about some of you, this, this past uh, Christmas season, maybe uh, the shows that we regularly see throughout the weeks aren't your favorite. Maybe movies are your thing. For instance, when I got home this afternoon, I saw on our television set queued up Christmas in Connecticut. Anyone like that? It's an old one, or uh, it's a wonderful life. If you have a few hours, you can go ahead and watch. Uh, you can walk through that. It's always, or maybe you like the newer ones. Maybe you like, uh, you know, Christmas Vacation. That's always a fun one that you see. Or Elf. Everyone loves loves Elf. Or, um, you know, for many of you now, you you are attracted and and you love those deep diving narratives and the plot twists of the Hallmark Movie Channel. Many of you, that's that's where some of you live, right there in, in Hallmark. I was in the AT&T store this past Saturday. I was there for quite a while. Thank you very much. And they did not have on a football game. They did not have on a basketball game. What did they have? A Hallmark Christmas special. So there you have it. But whatever your viewing pleasure, I love Linus speaking our text really for today from Luke chapter 2, our text which speaks to the joy that Charlie Brown longs to have in Christmas. And it's something that we all long for and hope for when it comes to the Christmas season is to have what the angels told the shepherds. This is good news of great joy, but somehow we miss it. And the gospel reminds us of where this great news and great joy comes from. So I'm just going to walk through this text briefly for a few moments, and then we're going to sing and worship together before we go and before you and your families and you and your friends celebrate Christmas together. In that passage that Linus uh, recited for us, we first of all see that God desperately wants to communicate and reach people. And the time is now. The end is near, or the end actually is here of waiting for God to intervene like he really wanted to do. Now, this doesn't mean that God hasn't spoken or communicated his heart for people all along the way. For instance, in the Garden of Eden, you go all the way back to the very beginning. Adam and Eve, they sinned against God. And God made a promise, and he said... After the curse of sin came upon the man and the woman, he said, through you, Eve, will come a man who will overcome evil. But until then, until then, you're going to have to wear skins, animal skins, coverings over you, and you're going to have to leave the garden. But I'm going to reveal my love for you by protecting you, covering you with a sacrifice, so to speak. So God revealed himself in a sacrifice. God revealed himself through the faithfulness to the founding fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to Joseph, as God revealed his promises through them, that 
through them, there would come someone. And through this someone, all families of the earth would be blessed. So he remained faithful to them. And then he revealed himself through the nation of Israel. He revealed his power as they left Egypt. They were freed from bondage and slavery. He revealed his heart of listening to those who were groaning. And he freed them and he moved them out into the wilderness where he could reveal his character through the Ten Commandments. And then through the kings, God revealed how a king is to shepherd and to lead his people. And then through the prophets, God spoke through the prophets in many different ways. But now comes Christmas time, and this is different because God has been waiting to reveal himself and to communicate with man in an entirely different way because he desperately wanted to reach men and women. And so he communicates himself through his son. And he does so in great power. So the shepherds are out in the dark. This is just their jobs. This is what they do. And this light comes on them, and, the, and this power kind of overshadows them. And the angel comes to them and says, I have a message from God. And here is the message that a son has been born. And God now is revealing himself in great power but also through a person, and this person is his son. Jesus said that when you have seen me, you have seen the heart of the Father. So now at Christmas time, we see the heart of God in the person of Jesus communicating to us this truth that God desperately wants to reach people. And he does it in a unique way. I was thinking about this when I came across a story this past week of communication and Christmas Eve. Back in the early 1900s, when you wanted to communicate through the airwaves, the only way that you could do it is if you had a telegraph and you communicated via Morse code through those that might have speakers to receive the Morse code. Now, for some of you kids, you're thinking, what in the world is Morse code, right? Morse code was this was this series of dots and, and, and dashes. And, and so you would tap this little machine and it would send out this code throughout the airwaves. And so those who would receive it, those who had the machine, no matter where they were, they could receive it and then they could write down the code for the letters and for what they were trying to communicate. So for instance, so for instance, someone, the little telegraph operator would sit there and he, he'd send out, and the guy receiving it, he would write down the letter D. I don't know if that's true. I told the first hour of this. I don't know if that's true, but, but you kind of get the gist, right? All right. And, and so he'd do it again. And he'd send it out and he'd write down the letter E. And so it would go on and on until finally, through Morse code, they would communicate the message. Well, in 1906, there was a 33-year-old college professor who was an assistant to the great inventor Thomas Edison. And he, as he began to work with the telegraph, found a way with a new kind of generator and with a microphone to communicate 
via voice. And for the first time ever on Christmas Eve, instead of communicating via Morse code, those ships that were out to sea, because he was communicating from the coast of Massachusetts, those ships that were out to sea, instead of hearing the dips and the dashes and the dots, heard a voice come over the speaker. Now, can you imagine that? You're you're wanting to hear, and then all of a sudden, you hear a voice come across, and the voice said this, for unto you a son is born. He recited Luke chapter 2. Can you imagine that? And then he picked up his violin and began to play beautifully. Oh, holy night, just as Kelsey played so beautifully. And he began to play it. And one writer said it was almost as if an angel was speaking to people. Can you imagine their surprise? This message is now revealed in a brand new way, and this is what Christmas time is, that God desperately wants to reveal himself to you and connect with men and women. But here's why. Here's the second thing. Here's why. Because your version of joy is different than God's version of joy, and he knows that. Here is the message. For unto you a son is given. For unto you a son is born, and he will be wrapped in swaddling clothes, and he will, he will be laid in a manger. He will be born in the city of David. This is your Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, the shepherds, when they hear that, here is what they hear. This is how they're going to process this, more than likely. They're Jewish shepherds. They're outside Jerusalem. And when they hear these words about a Savior and Christ the Lord, which is really a title for the Messiah, when they hear about the city of David, which is right there in Bethlehem, here's how they're processing all of this. If they paid attention in synagogue and if they listened to their parents share with them, this is what, what God has promised in the Old Covenant. That the Messiah was going to come. He had been prophesied in Isaiah and Micah and all of these prophets. And now he was going to come. And he was going to be born right there where David was from. Right there in the city of Bethlehem. They are on the outskirts of Bethlehem. So they see this little village. He's going to be born right here. Yeah, right here. And what they're thinking is the Messiah has come to reign and to rule over us now. And there will be political change. And there will be cultural change. And there will now be no more Roman oppressors. Because the Messiah will come just like King David. And he'll march into Jerusalem, which is just down the road here. And he'll overthrow the, 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 the ruthless King Herod. And then, and then Rome will be next. And the Messiah will come just like the prophet said. And, and the expectation is that now our fortunes will change. Now our culture will change. Because there's a change in leadership. And in Micah, it says, the shepherds, they would particularly notice this. In Micah, it says that the Messiah, when he comes out of Bethlehem, he'll stand up and he'll shepherd his people. And they're thinking, yes, a new leader. Yes, there is change. And this is what they expected. But you and I know that that's not what happened. Because that Messiah would go to a cross and be crucified by Rome. He wouldn't overtake Rome. So for the shepherds, 
if their expectation and desire was for Jesus to overthrow the emperor and to overthrow Herod and bring about political change or social change or cultural change, their expectations and their desires were incredibly disappointed. It's not the joy that they were looking for. How about you? Expectations and desires bring us joy when they are fulfilled, or so we think. You know, some of you kids are so excited. Some of you kids are, are, are you ready for tomorrow? Are you ready? Some of you, grandma and grandpa, are going to let you have a toy, have something this evening, okay? Are you ready? And I know that some of you are expecting some really wonderful things. In fact, the pastor has been reading up on this, and I read a couple of weeks ago about, a, about the, the hottest toy that is out there. It's called the fingerlings. Anyone want fingerlings? Yeah, okay. Here, here the fingerlings. Now, fingerlings, for those of you who don't know, are these little, little cloth monkeys and animals that you put on your fingers. And the article was written in the New York Times, which said this, that stores can't keep them. They are the hottest thing out there. And that minute they go online, people go online and they, they buy them up. And, and, and there are, there are vendors and there are, pe- there are people who actually buy them so that they can sell them on the black market. Can you believe all this? I mean, this is the hottest way out there. And so parents are pulling out their hair on Christmas Eve. They're worried to death because they want their kid to have everything that they expect and desire. And kids, I hope that you clean house, just from your pastor, I hope you clean house tonight and tomorrow. But, but I know this, that, that toys sometimes and our expectations and our desires oftentimes disappoint us. Thinking about famous toys that, that, that I grew up with, that article that I mentioned, it, it mentioned the Cabbage Patch Dolls. Do any of you moms remember the Cabbage Patch Dolls? It mentioned all of these toys. My, my favorite one was not a Cabbage Patch doll, I promise you that. My favorite toy was one of the most memorable was, was a football game, all right? And it was one of those football games, and, and it had a, had a metal board, and you would plug it in, and it would have these little plastic characters, and you would set them up, and when you would turn the board on, it would vibrate. You'd go, and those little plastic guys, you know, you had to set them up all in a row, all 11 on offense, all 11 on defense, and those little ones, they'd be all over the place. And that's how you played. And I wanted this game so badly, I'll never forget it. We opened it up Christmas morning, put it all together, and I put it in the front room of our house, and the light is all coming in. It was just beautiful. And I set that thing up, and I played maybe one play and then set it up and maybe another play and set it up. And by about the third play, I was done with this game. I I just didn't have the patience for it anymore. There's no way that I was going to do this for hours on end. And what I expected and what I desired didn't last long at all. It didn't satisfy even for an afternoon. And we as parents, this is what we want for our kids, we want them to, to, to have the desires of their heart and expectations. But here's the deal, parents. Be honest with me. Here, here's, this is going to happen tomorrow morning. You ready? Here's what's going to happen. You've worked hard. You've gone out. You've bought, purchased all the toys for the kids. You've done everything that you want to do that you feel uh, you, you need to do to make your kids happy, to make this an incredible experience. And here's your expectation. You ready, parents? I'm going to lay it out for you. I'm a mom. I'm a dad, too. 
Here's your expectation that they're going to open that gift and they're going to set it to the side and they are going to come with tears running down their face. They are going to come running up to you and they're going to put their arms around your neck and they're going to say, mom and dad, you have worked so hard. And even if you didn't give me anything because I love the giver, not the gift, mom, Merry Christmas. Is that going to happen? Hey, I've got news for you. In the words of George H.W. Bush, ain't going to happen. That's not going to happen at all, all right? We all have expectations and desires. But our expectations and desires won't last, and it won't go deep enough. Because here's what happens. We assign good news of great joy to what we think will make us happy or what we expect and when it doesn't happen, we're so discouraged. We're so disappointed. Move over into the world of relationships. Some of you are moving into 2018, and here's your expectation or here's your desire that your marriage would be better than it was in 2017. And your expectation is if only he would get better, if only she would, would soften up a little bit. And you put your expectation, your desire on a, on a husband or a wife. We put it on our kids. We, we put it on our kids when we want them to, we want them to, to grow up and to do certain things, to, to go to, go, certainly go to college maybe, or maybe not go to college, get a, get a career, start a career. When they have a career, we want them to have, uh, have a spouse. And, and certainly some of, some of us want those grandkids to come along quick. Some of you, some of you parents are thinking, man, I hope for Christmas I open up. There's a, there's an indication that we're going to be grandma and grandpa. I mean, that's what you're longing for. That's what you're hoping for. And then when they have kids you know we we want them to all of us parents and grandparents we want them to act a certain way we want them to be a certain way we we invest and we expect and we desire and everything is on them and and, and that's what we long for or, or circumstances in your business some of you you guys or some of you gals that are in business it was a rough rocky road and you're thinking if only 2018 i get off to a good start in the first quarter things are going to work out a little bit better if only maybe that position opens up and I can slide in the, into that position and it begins to work out, if only this, that would be good news of great joy. And here's what you and I do, and I'm going to put it in the first person. We put all of these expectations and desires of things on people or on circumstances or even on ourselves, and those things become our saviors that's what will save us because it will give me great joy and god knows this and this is why he wanted to communicate and reach you and me because our hearts are so wired around the things that we believe will make us happy and give us great joy but they won't last they just won't last. They won't satisfy because they're people and their circumstances. We live in a fallen, broken world. There's only one thing that can give you deep, abiding joy this Christmas, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. This is why the angel said, a son is born. 
a savior, a rescuer, a redeemer from ourselves, from, from the things that we long for, if only. Jesus says, I've come to rescue you from that so you no longer have hearts that, that chase all these things, so you no longer fear these things. And I have come to give you great, great freedom and joy if you'll simply lay him down. You know what I love about that, that scene that we saw with Charlie Brown? And someone pointed this out. This isn't, this isn't something that I picked up. Someone said that um, the entire comic strip period, the Peanuts gang is trying to get Linus to put that stupid blanket down, <laughs> just to lay it down. Did you notice what happened when he stood up on stage and he starts to recite? What does he do? He drops the blanket. Here is what Christmas might mean for some of you who are followers of Jesus. Is whatever it is that you're hanging on to. Fill in the blank. If only this, then there will be good news of great joy. Lay that aside because whatever this is is not your Savior. There's only one rescuer, one Savior, who has come to give you deep, abiding joy and peace as you get to know him. But then there's one last thing before we close. It's this. The shepherds were given instructions. It says, Mary will give birth and to her firstborn son, and she'll wrap him in swaddling cloths and lay him in a manger because there's no place for them to stay. So God is passionate to reach you. He wants to reach you because your joy is different than his joy. But the only way he can do it is through the sacrifice and the suffering of his son because we're separated from him. You know, this past couple of weeks, I've been studying in one of our libraries here, getting ready for the end of this year and the beginning of next year. And one day when I was walking out of the library, there was this glass case. And there was this big stone. It was really thick. looked really, really heavy. And uh, it was like a big box. And so I go up there, and sure enough, they already had the little, little write-up on it. And it was a manger from the biblical times. Now, I don't know about you, but mangers for me have always been, you know, the, the wooden ones, the, the ones that you kind of see. You maybe even have one at your home, but they're always made out of, of wood. And maybe some were, maybe some were. But after doing a little bit of research on it, many, many, if not most of the mangers there in Palestine at that time were made of clay and straw and mud, and they would harden, and they would put them in the guest house or in the guest room of a house. And the reason that they would place them in there is because at night they would bring the animals in, and sure enough, they would feed in that manger, in that trough. So when the angels come to the shepherds and they say, here's what's going to happen. You're going to find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, I, I used to think, oh, how sweet, Mary, just like, just like moms today and those blue and red and pink blankets have been around since the 1800s, I think. They wrap them up tightly, you know, so that they're nice and warm. That's sweet. 
But can you imagine why? Of course Mary's going to wrap, wrap him up in swaddling clothes because he's putting him in this stone, messy, filthy, smelly feeding trough. She's going to lay him in this manger. Now, as I begin to think about that, I thought, this is interesting, because the word manger, get this, follow me here. This is really good. You ready? The word manger, the French have picked up on this, and it literally means to eat. And Bethlehem is the house of bread. And Jesus is the bread of life. So put all this together. Here's what the angels are saying. You go to the place that has been appointed by God. And there you will find the bread of life. And he is going to be placed in a manger for the lowly to come and to eat and to live. You see, you cannot live. You cannot find joy. You cannot connect with God who wants to communicate and reach you without partaking of the life that Christ has given you through his sin and through, or through his suffering rather, for our sin. And Mary one day would wrap up her son. Mary one day would wrap up her son in swaddling clothes and would put him in stone again. But it would be some 30 years later. When he would have suffered and when he would have died and would have gone to the cross because of your sin and because of my sin. And as he hung there, he paid the penalty, living a sinless life for you and for me so that our selfishness, so that our guilt, so that all the things that we have done to displease God, to violate the holiness of God, all of those things that are on you are now on him. And then when they took him down from that cross, they would wrap him up in swaddling clothes, and they'd put him in stone again, and they would close the door. But he wouldn't stay there. He would rise again from the dead so that all those who believe in him, Jesus said, all those who believe in him would one day live, would one day have their sins forgiven, would one day know what it means to have the deepest joy imaginable, the joy that you were created for. And that was to know your creator. And you can't know him because you're separated from him by your sin. But Christ has come, was laid in a manger, lived a perfect life, was crucified and laid in an empty tomb and rose again so that you might overcome sin and death. And here's my heart for you. Some of you this morning, or rather this afternoon, some of you are here and you don't know fully what it means to trust Christ with everything you have. You're hanging on to something. You're, you're hanging on to your pride or you're hanging on to your hurt. You're hanging on to your reputation. You're hanging on to what your family will say. You're hanging on to something. And my prayer for you is that you will lay it down. 
And just as Christ laid down his life for you, you will lay down everything to know him. That's my prayer for you this evening. And for the rest of us, this baby that laid in a manger, he indeed is Christ the Lord and we worship him. I told the story as I closed this morning and I'll, I'll share it with you that this worship of Christ and him being present with us in the middle of our hurts, in the middle of our disappointments, in the middle of marital conflict, in the, in the, in the middle of a, of a prodigal child that won't come home, in the middle of cancer, in the middle of whatever it is that you're going through, those things might not go away, but the joy comes when God is present with you. He is Emmanuel. And I told the story this morning of how yesterday afternoon I, I rode over to St. Francis Eastside Hospital where one of our staff members is there, Jesse Lee, and we're praying so much for Jesse as he, he fights cancer and it's been a really, really hard road for him. And my heart was really heavy as I was driving over there. I don't, I don't know what it was. I was going to take Harrison with me, but I dropped him off at the house and the whole way over my heart. And obviously thinking of Jesse, but just thinking of, the, of death and walking into a hospital with cancer and people who are suffering. And my prayer for people is that God would be present with you. And there's that division of the joy that we, we long for, that we be healed, and we pray for people to be healed. But sometimes God, God's answer is not for healing now, it's for healing later. And my prayer is that God would be present with those who are suffering now. May that be Christmas to you this afternoon. God is with you. God is with you. But as I drove to, into the hospital parking lot, I was listening to some Christmas music, and I was listening to um, that famous song, that wonderful hymn that we sung, that wonderful carol, Oh, Come, All Ye Faithful. And it was by Josh Groban. And if you want to judge me on my musical taste, you go right ahead, all right? But I love this song by Josh Groban because here's what he does. He sings it with his choir and the organ, and he, he just hits that last note. And, and, and Christ the Lord, and it's just ringing out, and I'm pulling into St. Francis East Side with this just blaring, and it hit me that Christ has come and is a baby, but this is the song that we will sing one day. That Christ is Lord over St. Francis Eastside Hospital and everyone in it. He is Lord over death and he is Lord over Jesse's cancer. And he is Lord over all these things. And how he chooses to heal, it's up to him. But we will trust him and we will worship him. He is Lord over your loneliness. He is Lord over your hurt. He is Lord because he has come and he has all power. And one day this will be the song that we will sing. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. But here's the thing, we can sing it right now. And we can sing it because he's come. And it is a down payment on the worship and the reality that Jesus is Lord. And that is what Christmas means. He's come for you to, to reach you. He's come 
to give you a joy that is different than the type of joy that you long for. He has come to overcome sin and death and the grave. And because of that, we can sing, all is well. All is well. Will you pray with me right now? Father, we bow before you. And as we close up our time this evening, and we pray that there would indeed be worship and that those who have heard this message of the gospel, the gospel that has come to sinners like me and sinners, like everyone in this room, this gospel that has made a bridge and has brought us closer to Christ for those that trust in him. I pray that some this evening, they will pause maybe right now, maybe tonight when they lay their head on the pillow, maybe when they wake up or when they have some time away from family and they're alone, that Holy Spirit, you will come and that you will speak to them and you will say, Christ has come for you. And they will open up their hearts. And they will fall on their knees. And they will say, Jesus is Lord. And they will be transformed forever. And for those of us, Father, who, who are part of your family, we pray that we would lay whatever is that we cling to and hang on to our saviors and that this Christmas we would rest we would rest there's peace there's satisfaction because he has come and because of that Lord it is indeed incredibly well with our soul and we pray this prayer now Christ name and all God's people said.